Welcome to the E-Curated Podcast, hospitality-focused, EQ-driven. My name is Steph. I'm a coach and a facilitator. Here's a question. How can we develop emotional intelligence skills to create an engaging and thriving employee experience first and consequently memorable guest experiences? And what does emotional intelligence mean anyway? Join and learn with me. So welcome to the first episode of the E-Curated podcast. Uh, it is my pleasure today to have Johnny Petty, CEO of Resilience Up, uh, as my first guest uh, of the podcast. Uh, our conversation today will be around the importance of sleep. Sleep for our well-being, sleep for our effectiveness as leaders, especially in the context of hospitality. We will be diving into this conversation and also looking at how does shift work impact our sleep and how can we really make sure we get enough sleep so that we can be healthy and strong. This week is also World Sleep Day. And as we celebrate this occasion, this podcast comes at the right time. So Joni, you are a behavioral strategist and entrepreneur for 25 years president of the uh, Professional Speaker Association of South Africa, and you call sleep the Swiss army knife of health. And so I'd like to ask you, how did your interest for sleep start? So Steph, it really, uh, by accident, I'm going to be honest. It was uh, four years ago, now in March actually, that I was invited to Washington DC from Johannesburg, South Africa, to speak on a platform about resilience and my understanding of resilience and uh, the business we run called Resilient People. So it was Ariana Huffington who invited me to speak on that platform. She was speaking about sleep and I was speaking about overall well-being and resilience. Mm -hmm. So I thought, right, I, I really should read her book. And as we probably all know, is she ran Huffington Post and then she fell asleep at her, at her glass desk cut open her face and her jaw cracked her yeah. jaw and she sold Huffington Post and she started Thrive. So I thought, okay, Joni, let's read the book, uh, The Sleep Revolution. And I started reading that and it changed my life. I know that sounds dramatic, but it did because I'm the kind of leader and businesswoman who has probably five or six or eight books next to her bed. And then every night I read a business book and I, I bounce between them and I'll see what chapter interests mm -hmm. me what I'm working on for a team at that time. And I never read a novel at night. Mm -hmm. I only had the mental pre-frame that I will read a novel at the end of the year in my summer holiday. So um, I thought, okay, if I'm going to speak uh, on the same stage as Ariana, I better put away those business books, put away my mobile phone at the end of the day, or reading off a Kindle or reading off my laptop and start reading a novel. So I went to a great mate of mine. She gave me 10 novels and I kind of shifted through to see what I really like. And uh, that is a game changer. So now I have a full stop at the end of the day. I'm sure we will speak about sleep hygiene habits later. And I read a novel. And uh, I started that in the November before I went to speak on that stage. So I could say authentically, by the time I got there in March, I had changed my sleep habits thanks to Ariana Huffington. Wow. 
That sounds uh, incredible. And, uh, and later we will talk about the benefits of sleep. And uh, really, I'd like to know more about what you felt really changed for you. So why do we sleep? Well, Joyce? that's also an interesting uh, um, title of uh, Professor Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. And uh, I must say, if I have to be really honest, I preferred reading his book, Why We Sleep, to Sleep Revolution. And why we sleep is interesting. And I want to just, again, personalize it because I think we become an evangelist of something that we love because of our personal experiences in life. And I do recall my children are now 21 and 23, but I recall when they were about 10 and 12, I decided um, I needed to do more in my life. And uh, I had been widowed um, a few years prior to that. So I was a single mom running a business, running a home, trying to keep up with my hobbies and my exercise routine and launch new products. And I thought sleep is wasting my time. So yeah. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to, this is about 15 years ago. I'm going to buy some sleep audio books and I'm going to train myself because this sleep is nonsense. I need, I'm sure if I sleep four hours a night, then I've really got, you know, 20 hours to do lots of good stuff in my life. And, um, you know, so it was, I was in the mindset then 15 years ago, as much of science and neuroscience was in the same mindset, that we just need to sleep at the end of the day to recover. So we're worn out by the end of the day, we need a quick recovery, and then we can start afresh the next day. But while we sleep is much, much more than that. Mm. Actually, it's not just for the brain to recover. The brain is very, very active while we sleep, while we sleep, sorry. So it flushes out toxins called beta amyloid during the time that our head is on the pillow. It repairs the body. It lowers uh, the stress hormones, cortisol. It uh, improves the immune function. It works on cholesterol. So there's a lot happening. It's a very, very busy time for our brains and our bodies. So while we sleep is uh, also to consolidate our memories, to help with recall. I mean, here's a stat, Steph, is that if you have one night bad sleep, the next day, your ability to recall new information drops by 40%. So I think many of us have had that like brain fog feeling where we go, I just learned that yesterday and I know that information and I need that for this meeting or you know, to put into practice here at the hotel and I can't remember that information. So uh, it's so much more than just a, a quick recovery. I find that so valuable and so relatable. Uh, I think that when I wake up in the morning and I am not arrested, uh, everything that you just shared comes to life very easily, especially the brain fog. And mind you, with three children, brain fog <laughs> seems to be there already. So it seems to get even worse. I'm, I'm smiling because when I was a child, my, my mom always used to sort of say that, you know, if you, if you sleep too much, you lose opportunity, so you lose, you lose a type of mentality. And so I must say, I also grew up thinking that sleep was just overrated. And if I could just sleep four or five hours, that's more than enough. Yes. Uh, I tell you, <clears throat> with age, that doesn't become easier. Maybe when I was younger, that possibly could happen. But I wish I had known more about, uh, about sleep. So, uh, you know, that saying is so, you know, those are memes in our society, isn't mm -hmm. it, Stephen? It doesn't matter what corner of the world we're in. 
snooze, you lose. I that I grew up with that. Um, the early bird catches yeah. the worm. Um, you know, you're going to miss out. So, mm. and then also, if I talk about hospitality or business, yeah. is the badge of honor. You know, I was up, uh, you know, till midnight scheduling, you know, staff rotation or shifts or whatever. Um, and it's, you know, it seemed to be a, a, a badge of honor. In fact, uh, maybe I'll just say to you here, one of the organizations that I work with yep. is an insurance company, 33,000 people. And I gave this sleep talk to the Exco team. It was quite a few years ago now. And the CEO stood up and he said, from now on, with what I've learned about sleep hygiene, there will be no emails sent after 7 p.m. at night and before 7 a.m. in the morning. So it is imperative that we give our people time off. I mean, they're not in um, shift work or nighttime work, so they work eight to five most days. But we know that trying to climb a corporate ladder, people will tend to want to send emails at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night, which is disruptive now that we can get uh, emails on our mobile phones. In fact, while I'm on that topic, I am vociferous yeah. about not getting an email on my mobile phone. So I have disconnected that. So I ring fence. My phone is for phone calls and uh, WhatsApp messages. And my computer is for emails. I don't mix the two. Yeah, the, I think that the topic about the badge of honor rings very, very true. And I think many of our listeners who are in hospitality will find that that resonates a lot. And so I appreciate the fact that it is time that we drop that badge of honor and actually give it maybe to people who have better sleep hygiene and really look after their, their well-being because it makes such a difference in the way we, we lead. So when it comes to sleep hygiene, uh, Joni, you've mentioned that you've disconnected uh, your emails from your phone. Um, as you said, in this insurance company, sending emails uh, before 7 p.m. and only after 7 a.m. can be one of the uh, practices that helps our sleep hygiene. What other tips uh, would you like to give us in terms of how to master that sleep hygiene, especially as you said, in the context of uh, hospitality where obviously hotels are open 24 seven and yes. therefore some emails might need to be sent as well in the middle of the night when it's urgent. Yes. So, I mean, shall we segment it uh, in the hospitality industry between people who don't have to work night shift and people who do? So, Let's start yeah. with the easier one is people yeah. who have to work night shift because that's a completely different uh, sleep regime they need to get into. So from a sleep regime um, for people who are working day shift, uh, managers perhaps and leaders and, and frontline staff working day shift, is your sleep hygiene starts from the minute you open your eyes in the morning. Mm -hmm. So we often think it's what we do just before bed, but actually it's the self-management from the, the morning, the first thing that you do. So what should we do as we wake up? We tend to, especially in the hospitality industry, uh, tea or coffee straight away. It just, uh, it's what I've seen around the world. When in fact, actually, your, your brain dehydrates by about 30% overnight. So what you should be doing is you should be having water as you wake up. 
And that's quite important. You flush out the toxins that are, you know, continuing to flush out. And then what you do is you have water to rehydrate the, the brain. So that's the first thing that you should I'm taking do. notes. <laughs> and then, of course, I do love coffee. I can't deny that. I love coffee, actually. And uh, what I will do is I will have um, one uh, glass of water, perhaps with lemon or ginger in or some mint. And then I'll have uh, one cup of coffee. So I, I make sure that I match one for one. Tea, coffee, green tea, hot chocolate, all dehydrate the brain. And uh, we should even during the day be matching one for one. So if you want this brain to be nice and, and well flourished, you need to uh, make sure that you rehydrate it well. We do not know now from a neuroscience perspective, something that we did not know 20 years ago, is that if you sleep well, if you eat well, and if you exercise well and rehydrate your brain, those four factors, you will grow 700 neurons per day. And of course, we're all looking to be smarter, more time efficient, more productive. It uh, doesn't matter what industry sector. So, you know, make sure that you are hydrating and we can get onto food later. Yeah. But uh, hospitality, maybe we get onto that right now because hospitality is a lot about good food, isn't it? That's so correct. In the hospitality industry, uh, what I've seen and experienced, and I've worked in the hospitality industry, is that um, sometimes even if we're on day shift and you know ending sort of at 8 p.m., we eat, we sometimes eat fairly large meals. So ultimately, I mean, this is not always possible, but I always think let's strive for the impossible. Is if you want to honor your body, that when you wake up, if you can wake up at around sunrise time and you get outside straight away and even if you're in a cold climate you may be on a veranda you know you just wrap up warm and you can see the sunrise that sets your circadian clock which is your body clock your circadian rhythm into its motion so as the sun rises the brain produces cortisol and adrenaline and it gets you going and active for the day you've rehydrated your brain and then as the sun sets, if you could even spend two or five minutes looking at that sunset, your brain says that's the end of the day. And now I start to reduce my cortisol levels and I up my melatonin levels. So for daytime workers, um, that is optimal. Obviously, at nighttime, we'll speak about the difference. The other point around caffeine is that um, if you're going to sleep, let's say, at 10 o'clock at night, you need to stop your caffeine intake by 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Okay. So That's hard for an Italian. It's very hard, extremely <laughs> hard. And we are, you know, not only an Italian because I love coffee <laughs> and I love espressos, et cetera, but we need to know, I mean, we're all very different, aren't we, Steph? But it's just by and large, the caffeine half-life in one's body is about eight hours. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to sleep at 10, you need to stop it at two. So that's tea, coffee, and green tea, or any carbonated soft drinks with caffeine in, um, that is also problematic. Johnny, would then decaf coffee be a possibility after 2 p.m.? It is a possibility. Um, remembering that uh, we use high, mostly mm -hmm. hydrochloric acid to take the caffeine out, not very good for one. And secondly, it's only got about 30% less caffeine. It's not, a, it's not mm -hmm. caffeine free as we know it. So, but it's, I must say, if I really feel like that coffee taste is I have a, a decaf in the afternoon. 
Okay. Johnny, you mentioned the circadian uh, rhythm and, uh, and, and, and also we, we were talking about shift work. In hospitality, normally there are three main shifts. Uh, so one that starts at 7 a.m. and goes up until the afternoon and then one that starts at 3 p.m. and goes up until late in the evening, so around 11 p.m. And then, of course, you have the night shift. And so when it comes to the sun rising, the sun setting, sometimes those shifts don't necessarily uh, give us that chance uh, to follow what is our circadian rhythm. So how can we support the shift workers uh, in getting enough sleep? Okay. So for shift workers, um, the regularity is important. Mm -hmm. Now, this is very difficult. You said the 3 p.m. shift ends at 11 p.m. What was the third shift starting at 5 p.m.? We have a 7 a.m. up until 3 p.m. and then a 3 p.m., 11 p.m. and then 11 p.m. through the night. Okay. On, on a general basis. A yeah. General basis, yeah. 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. is what we've discussed. Uh, 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. is an interesting one. So 11 p.m., um, if you fit knocking off, and then you might have to travel to get home, et cetera, et cetera. So, and we wired, because when you're on shift, you're always wired. There's something happening um, at your premises, et cetera. Is I would, if I was working that shift, I would definitely, definitely stop eating by latest 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. So you've got two hours before you leave work. So the food, you're not digesting food by the time you get home. And by the, when you get home, let's call it 11.30 or midnight, yeah. is you need to actually do something that calms the mind down. Because when we're wired and tired, those two combinations uh, prevent us from falling asleep. So some of those shift night workers that I know, especially in the restaurant world who work similar hours, go, Joni, I need me time. So I sit in front of the TV and I have maybe a whiskey or a wine or a, something to drink, um, not necessarily alcoholic, and I will have some kind of happy food, you know, whatever yeah. makes it could even just be chocolate, etc. That is the worst thing that you could do. Absolute worst thing. So what could you do is you've got to now develop some self-discipline and self-management. So you walk into your house and you train yourself that actually it's been a hard shift. Lots has happened and I'm wide but tired. I would get into a little shallow bath with Epsom salts and lavender. We know lavender, the the smell of lavender actually calms the brain down. And we start to then put a full stop to the end of our day. So that's a 20 minute, because you can't walk in and go straight to bed. So get into the bath, and then I would definitely open up a novel and start reading a novel. And from a sleep insomnia perspective, the best thing is cognitive behavior therapy, isn't it? Which is, what is that? It's really a set of rituals to get you to sleep. So I'd walk in, let's call it 11.30 at night, run my bath, have a bath with Epsom salts and lavender, read my book, be out of the bath, I guess, by 10 past 12 or so, and then I'd go straight to bed with my book again. But this time now, in fact, I should have said as you are driving home, you should be wearing blue blocker glasses. So these are not because I can't see, these block out blue light. What is blue light? Blue light are the rays that come into our eyes that tell the pineal gland, hey, it's daytime, we need to stay awake. 
So walking around the hotel, the LED lights in the ceiling, any of the lighting is affecting your pineal gland and hence your production of melatonin. So you could be wearing this as you're walking around the hotel. We have got prescription ones as well, but certainly, excuse me, as you drive home and even I lie in the bath and read these as well. So by the time your head gets on the pillow, it's your brain is already producing melatonin, which gets you into the deep, slow wave sleep. So then you go to sleep, I guess, by half past 12. And then you really want to wake up, you know, naturally, probably seven or eight hours later as that shift. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is really to take some time at the end of the day to wind down and uh, re sort of get ready for sleep. Uh, and I'm, I'm guilty, as I'm sure many in the yeah. industry, at the end of the day to use that time also for socializing so at the yes. end of the shift sometimes i remember going out for a drink and getting some food which as i'm hearing you say wasn't necessarily the best the best choice to stay to stay healthy so thank you for those uh, great recommendations uh, when it comes to the night shift so you, you mentioned earlier regularity is important yes. uh, and and so what can we be mindful of, especially if we are the night shift worker or if we are preparing the rot rota for night shift workers? Uh, what can be some suggestions yeah. there? So, I mean, that you've really got to reset. You got to, your night mm -hmm. becomes day and your day becomes night, doesn't it? I mean, it's yeah. just really tough. Um, just to say to you, actually, I helped someone change their day tonight. Mm -hmm. um, recently, an American woman who wanted to come on an emotional intelligence program with us uh, in our timeline, so nine hours time difference. And she was going to bed at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, waking up at midnight and then working with us from midnight to 8 a.m. And it actually only took her a week to get her circadian rhythm um, rewired. So the 11 p.m. shift absolutely needs to do kind of the same thing is um, let's just work it the other way around. They work from 11 um, to 7 a.m. Yeah. I'm thinking that they might uh, come home, then be home at eight. And I'm guessing that they do want to eat and they do want to maybe see their family if they can before children yeah. go to school or whatever. Um, so that socializing time is far easier for them. And they may want to have a really lovely, healthy breakfast if that's what they're inclined to do. Um, but then if they're going to go to bed, let's say at nine o'clock, that's nine to 10 to 11 to 12 to one to two to three to four, then they're awake at four or five in the afternoon. Perhaps that's when the family comes back and they've got actually a, a better time because they could have an early family meal together and then they go off to work at say 10 p.m. to be on time at 11 p.m. So they've just got to shift that the bulk of their day, they have to be in a blackout room. So mm -hmm. blackout mm -hmm. curtains for those night shift workers are essential. If they don't have blackout curtains, they absolutely need to sleep with a face, uh, eye mask on. Mask. Mm -hmm. uh, that is really, really important. And in fact, while I've got this on, I mean, this is made in South Africa by ladies who bead for a living. So these eyelashes are beautifully beaded. Is um, I don't have blackout curtains, which I wish I did, but they're hugely expensive. So I've got blinds. And when it's full moon, shafts of light come through those blinds. So I, every single night, wear my, my eye mask. Um, and it's really beneficial. And I was told this by a specialist ophthalmologist who specializes um, 
in sleep as well. And he's got five medical degrees. And he challenged me one day. He said, Joni, why do you not sleep with an eye mask? I said, because my room is dark. My room is about 16 degrees Celsius, which is yep. cool. That's what it should be. Mm-hmm. He said, I challenge you to wear an eye mask for three nights and then phone me. And I did. I wore it for three nights and I just felt different the next morning. How do we know if we've had good quality sleep? So no matter whether you're on the 7 a.m. shift, the 3 p.m. or the 11 p.m. and you've changed your circadian clock is actually that when your time to wake up is your time to wake up, is that you wake up feeling refreshed. Mm-hmm. And actually for me, um, you know, the temptation obviously to socialize after a shift is I actually set my mobile alarm to go to bed and then I allow my body clock to wake me up because uh, the way sleep from the sleep science perspective, Steph, is that um, when we get into bed, our sleep cycles are light sleep, stage one and two. That's a four bangs or, you know, something of dog barks, you hear it. Then you get into deep non-REM sleep, which is stages three and four. Stage four is when the brain flushes out the toxins called beta amyloid. And then you cycle up to a rapid eye movement where you're slightly awake um, and you dream and then you cycle down one, two, three, four. You have your deeper sleep in the first three or four of those cycles and then lighter sleep towards your wake up time. So um, I have to say vociferously that um, in terms of getting that good night's sleep is I know my sleep cycle and I wear these so that I get straight away into deep cycle sleep. And here's another tip, and it's a, a great friend of mine. This tip, it's a, I've got a few things that I call my great friends. Yeah. This is an app which I call my great friend, and it's called the Sleep Cycle app. So you can see I've got many, many, many apps on my phone, but this is the orange one. It's now jiggling, but it's orange with a clock, and it's called Sleep Cycle. And I, uh, I'm very mindful of not tracking too much in my life. Uh, there's a, a syndrome called uh, orthosomnia when you become anxious because you track too much. So a lot of the smart watches mm-hmm. and rings track a lot. And then people become so worried because, uh, you know, the sleep tracker said they didn't sleep well. And actually, we know sleep trackers are only 40% to 70% accurate. So I use the free version of Sleep Cycle because uh, I just want to look at trends over time. So the accuracy is not all that important. I put it on as I go to sleep. And I just, I do look at it as I wake up in the morning. And I think how interesting. Gee, yeah, you know, I was obviously coughing at midnight. And then quite often I remember um, last night I had, a, I had a really busy day yesterday. So I was asleep by nine o'clock last night. And then I woke up at 20 past 11 thinking, oh, it's time to get up. And I picked up my, my mobile, which is on airplane mode next yep. to my bed of an electromagnetic field. And I went, oh, it's 11.20. But then my inner dialogue was, oh, Joni, you're lucky you. You've got so many more hours of sleep. <laughs> Instead of going, oh, but to let you know, now I'm never going to get back to sleep and letting that anxiety settle in. So the self-talk is important. Trackers are important. Uh, cold, dark room is important. And uh, definitely sleeping with a sleep uh, eye mask on is important. With a mask on. And, and then earlier you mentioned as well on nutrition as well as hydration. Yeah. So yeah. how sleep was the start. Good sleep hygiene starts as well when we wake up. And also what I heard you say is that how do we know that we had a good night's sleep is that when we wake up, 
uh, ideally naturally, yes. and we feel restored and refreshed and, and recharged. I also use a sleep tracker and I find it fascinating to have a look at how I slept and as well as how many hours, uh, which is something that I wanted to ask you earlier when we were talking about night shift, you count it yes. seven hours. So the big question is how many hours of sleep do you need? as well as how does quality of sleep, so quantity of sleep and quality of sleep. Uh, what's the rule there? What do we know? So if you imagine a bell curve, mm -hmm. the, the minimum is seven, the maximum is nine. And I always say, you know, Socrates said, knowing thyself is the beginning of wisdom. So you need to know yourself. I mean, there have been thousands of sleep studies and they all say seven to nine hours yes you know as we get older you might need a little less but mm -hmm. it's in that bell curve so it's interesting for me is um when i started focusing on quantity and quality sleep is the the quantity wise it's never minimum it's never less than seven hours it, okay. that is minimum and in fact, the research shows, Steph, and I'm a big exerciser in the morning, I either run or do gym or bounce on my trampoline for five kilometers, but I exercise for an hour every single morning. It's part of my daily habit. And I love it. So it's not something I have to do. It's really yeah. part of my social time as well. Mm -hmm. And if I am feeling like a scratchy throat or brain fog, or I've had to sometimes in South Africa present to America at 10 p.m. at night because of the time change, is I will absolutely not set my alarm to get up and I won't run or do my morning exercise. So actually sleep is more important than your exercise. It's more important than uh, your great maybe Mediterranean diet. Sleep mm -hmm. actually to your earlier point Steph, you mentioned, is the Swiss Army knife of health. It is the most important thing you can do. So I'm going to go back to the seven to nine hour bell curve. Please, yeah. Minimum seven hours. Some people do need eight or eight and a half. You don't actually need more than nine. If you're sleeping longer than nine and you're feeling like you need to or that's what you sleep, there's probably a comorbidity, some other underlying health issue there. Okay. And it can quite often actually be depression. So you need to look at that maximum and actually get that addressed. And then you need to actually be so mindfully self-aware. So I know actually that, as I said earlier, with the scratchy throat, is I'm probably going to need seven and a half or eight hours. So I work around that. So should I get a scratchy throat? It is zero sugar, but zero. So I'm only eating whole foods, natural foods, and probably raw foods if I'm feeling like something's coming on. I'm drinking enormous amount of water. I'm having a lot of vitamin C. And in the hospitality industry, I would really strongly suggest that you having a lot of vitamin C as an up to 6,000 milligrams a day because you're dealing with people all day. So, mm. and lots of germs, et cetera, even with masks on. And uh, in the hospitality industry as well as, as leaders who are not working shifts, is also to have enough magnesium. Magnesium is um, really responsible for about 340 different bodily processes. And it does help to calm you down and have a good night's sleep. So I just really maximize my nutrition and I work my quantity of sleep in that bell curve 
depending on how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling like I am at the moment, extremely healthy, mm-hmm. then it's seven hours and I'm good to go. But I just want to touch on that quality once more because yeah. there's two things. is quantity I've just spoken about. The quality is really getting those beautiful cycles in. Stage one, two, three, deep sleep, up to rapid eye movement, consolidate the memories, um, dream a bit and down and up and down and up and down and up. And really what's the measure for quality is not what your smart devices are telling you it's just how well you felt during the day how did you manage your mood your irritability stress Mm -hmm. issues i always say that stress and sleep are inextricably linked they they're the reverse so the the more stressed you are the more sleep that you need Um, we forget about that Actually, Johnny, I really wanted to touch on sleep and emotions. So what's the intersection between how does sleep affect our emotional well-being, but also how do our emotions affect sleep? So let's start from the first part. How does sleep affect our emotions? So we often use uh, Dr. Dan Siegel's hand um, model of the brain, many of us. How does sleep affect our emotions? Well, when uh, you've got a really healthy brain, what happens is that your limbic system, your emotional system, like the palm of your hand, um, with its amygdala right in the middle, so that's your thumbnail, works so beautifully well with your prefrontal cortex, the rational thinking, the decision-making, the critical thinking. So all of that integrates really well. So when you sleep well, the brain is reformatting, it's the connections, the dendrites are working well, the emotions are getting processed from the day, and your rational thinking is working. So everything's working beautifully, responsibly, and in tandem when you sleep well. So you can manage your emotions. You can uh, navigate your emotions, as we say, in six seconds. There's so much you can do emotionally uh, in terms of your emotional intelligence, which we know Trump's uh, intellectual quotient more than 70% of the time. So sleeping enhances your ability to self-manage your emotions in short. From uh, um, inability to sleep, so mm-hmm. insomnia, um, you can imagine, you know, very often, and I'm recalling it uh, Corona Somnia, mm-hmm. is that uh, the worldwide study, 49 countries, 3,000 people, is showing that up to 60% of people are battling to sleep through this pandemic. So the emotional stressors during the day, um, homeschooling plus working, plus a spouse being retrenched, plus financial issues, plus parents getting COVID or a friend dying or whatever. All of those uh, dimensions of life uh, really lead to high cortisol and a whole lot of stress. So how are you managing that during the day? If you're not managing that well during the day, you might fall asleep because of exhaustion, but very often you are waking up 2 a.m., 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. because uh, there's a lot more cortisol in in your brain. So if you're sleep deprived, what's going to happen the next day? You're going to make bad leadership decisions. You're going to be far more ratty. You're going to be reactive. You're not going to be able to pause before you choose to respond. Your listening shuts down. Um, So all the proverbial good emotional intelligence uh, competencies completely shut down after a bad night's sleep. Yeah. And and when I think about the current state of hospitality, and I know it's different in different parts of the world, but there are, you know, COVID has obviously impacted our industry tremendously. 
which means uh, worries about you know job security or having lost a, a job and trying to find a new job as well as when people are still working in hotels they're often doing more than one job compared yeah. to before they had a role and now they're doing different roles so somehow I can hear the audience say but how am I going to manage this when I have so much to do and long hours are very mm. typical in hospitality and yes. so I guess my question here is if somebody's listening to us today and they find they might feel a bit overwhelmed about there's so many things I could do but how am I going to start so what tip could you give us to break that cycle a cycle where maybe I'm not sleeping enough hours I eat at the, let's say the non-ideal non time of the day before going to sleep uh, maybe there's drinking involved maybe there's smoking involved um, how can I break that cycle what shall I how, how, how can I start yes and it's such a good question Steph because um, you know to break cycles and behavioral patterns I mean that's the the lifelong learning that I've had around behavioral science is so tough and uh, someone you know people in the hospitality industry up and say, Joni, just forget about it. You know, I'm yeah. getting home after that 11 o'clock shift. I need a drink. I deserve it. I want to socialize. It's the only time I see my mates. I'm going to have a smoke. Like, you know what? Work with me. That's what I'm going to do. And I say, that's fine. You know what? That's fine. So if you've got to socialize at the end of your shift, because that makes you happy, that's fine. But what about then just inching forward? Mm -hmm. So... The tiny habit approach, I love to use Professor BJ Fogg's work, Tiny Habits from Stanford, is that if you're currently only sleeping six hours, what should I do? Is let's say for the next uh, two weeks until the end of March, try and sleep six and a quarter. Add 15 minutes on mm -hmm. per night. So add it on in tiny ways, tiny ways. If you're going out socializing after your shift and you normally have three drinks, try have two drinks. If you normally have five cigarettes, try and have two cigarettes. So I'm saying actually what you want to do to honor your body is just shift forward slightly. And actually in hospitality, what we do know how to do really well is plan. I don't know about your mother, but my mother always said, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So you give yourself some leeway and you say, by the 1st of April, I'm going to be sleeping six and a quarter hours, only having two drinks, blah, blah, blah. Then by the middle of April, I'm going to be sleeping six and a half hours. I'm not eating after my shift. So you plan to phase in things. But in this, and, and it's the hospitality industry has been hit so hard in most countries and um, financial such strain that I think if we put too much onto our plate, let's use the metaphor here, is we become overwhelmed and we don't do anything. Mm -hmm. So I would rather you choose one thing. Even if you say, I'm not going to, um, I'm going to do 15 minutes uh, more sleep a night. And I like that idea of giving myself a nice Epsom salts bath when I get home. Boom. Those are two things you're going to do. And from our days of flying, maybe you have a mask and you're going to wear that. So start small, but it's about planning what you want to do and then inching up because there's nothing more fulfilling than when you inch up and you start doing uh, some of these things and you feel more refreshed and you feel like you're making better decisions because your brain is operating well. I always say it's like the losing weight. 
you know, let's say you've got a, a number of pounds or kilograms to lose. You know, if you've just lost a little bit of weight, you become motivated. You think, oh, this is not so difficult. I haven't really changed my diet here. You know, I just cut out um, bread and, um, and roast potatoes and now I'm feeling better already. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's very useful to think in incremental changes uh, start with something uh, to get you going towards better sleep hygiene. Joni, you have developed a wonderful assessment uh, called Resilience Up and I really would like to take the last part of our conversation uh, talking about that, especially in the context of uh, what have you learned uh, by uh, doing using the assessment that you developed with Momentum for UK? What's coming up, especially in the body part uh, of the assessment. Thank you, Steph. Um, it has been a thrilling two and a half years of development. So launched now, right now, last October 2020 in pandemic times. So it was perfect timing, but it was uh, started two and a half years before that. What have I learned in the body part is um, the body part is all about just what we've spoken about. And I've loved this interview with you. We've spoken about how we eat. We've spoken a little bit how we move and how we sleep. So resilience up, you know, often people say, gee, Joni or Chris and Lara at Momentum 4, how can I be resilient in these very turbulent times? And we always say, you know, there are many things you can do, but actually if we boil it down to four dimensions, it's really your body, which includes sleep, eat and move. It's your mind, how you choose to manage that. So me waking up at 20 past 11 last night wasn't, oh, poor me, like, it's terrible. Like, how am I going to get back to sleep? It's like, hey, this is exciting. I've got a lot more hours still to go. It's, you know, how you choose to reframe things. Mm -hmm. The third dimension of resilience up, so body is one, mind is the second. The third is your emotions. And the more we understand our emotions, we work with them, we use the eight emotional competencies, the more we can be resilient. And then the fourth step is purpose. So what is our sense of purpose? What is our noble goal? What are we trying to do in the hospitality industry? What legacy do we want to leave? Or even the purpose for our shift or the purpose for the week or the purpose for the next month if you're starting to get guests back into, into your hotel or restaurant. So we have really learned a lot through Resilience App. And we've done it in many countries across Europe, um, in the States, South Africa, right through Africa, Middle East, Saudi Arabia, et cetera. And we found that actually people love to look in the mirror and get a score. Mm -hmm. I say that Resilience Up is a little bit like an MRI, a functional MRI. So mm -hmm. what is an MRI? I'm going to slide your body into an MRI and I'm going to measure your brain. And that's what Resilience Up does. It gives you a score for body, mind, emotions, and purpose. It also gives you another set of data for the eight high performance indicators and how that links to those four dimensions. So I call it our own personal MRI and I use it on myself. It's how do I measure my resilience? That's the M. How do I sit back and reflect? So our five page profile has got one full page on how do you reflect and it's got a self coaching mechanism called the resilience cycle. I love that. Which yeah. Your, your score is embedded. So it's artificial intelligence. So I measure using the, 
the 10 minute link, I reflect using the resilience cycle in the last page. And then it's all about taking initiative, which is what we spoke about a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. is what tiny habits can I take to move forward? So the results we're getting from people are fantastic because before being coached, um, you know, people would give a lot of general generalities. But I think we, in this day and age, we want specifics to us. We don't want just general stock phrase advice. We want it to be grounded in um, 25 years of research, which is what the Resilience Up profile is. It sounds like, you know, that bringing that self-awareness uh through yes. something that is specific and not generic uh, yes. will offer the opportunity to make those changes that we discussed. Yes. I have a closing question for us, uh, Joni, and I really thank you for all the things that you've shared today. When it comes to resilience, there has been a lot of talk around resilience, uh, even more so during COVID. In a sentence, how does sleep improve our resilience? In a sentence, sleep improves your resilience by enabling you to be more energetic and agile so that you can shift and pivot in these pandemic times. Thank you. So thank you very much for listening. And uh, I hope you will take uh, some of the wonderful suggestions that Joni has given us today to start making that change. I will leave the contact details of uh, Joni in, uh, in the comments so that you can reach out to her if you want to learn more or take the Resilience Assessment. Thank you. Thank you, Joni. Thank you, Steph. What an enjoyable chat.